Hey guys, welcome to Because I Said So, the podcast where we discuss age and how it affects how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive others, and the conversations that we have because of it. Thank you for listening, and please leave a review to support the podcast. Thank you. Hey guys, we have a very special guest today. Her name is Juliana Abelo. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hey guys, my name is Juliana. I'm a senior at Hume Fog. I am the co-president of Model UN Youth and Government and the president of the High School Democrats. Yeah, and you've always had, um, at least in the time that I've known you, a very intense interest in politics and in civil discourse. So also outside of school, um, what kind of programs have you been interested in and taken part in? Okay, well, I would say my, the major one that comes to mind is last year from December to July, I got to participate in a six month civic education fellowship. So basically every week I would hop on a call with my mentor and five other people in my small group and we would talk about issues in our communities. And it was really cool because these people were from all over the country. We had fellows from all 50 states. And it was really amazing to see like the differences in our communities, but also the similarities. Like we're from such different backgrounds, just us as students and learners. But at the same time, there was so much that we could relate to. And that was really amazing. Yeah, and I feel like opportunities like that where it gives young people, I mean, we hear so often about youth getting involved in kind of like the political system and getting involved um, just in civics in general and the importance of that. And so what is, um, what do you feel like is the biggest reason that youth should really get involved in that type of thing? And what would you say for people that maybe aren't interested in it? Well, there are so many. And like, honestly, I could talk about this for days if you let me, but... <laughs> I would say the, the biggest thing that a lot of people don't realize is every single aspect of our lives is affected by public policy. Literally everything. Like if your house is allowed to have a yard sign or if you're allowed to have like X amount of pets or whatever it is, or if our schools are going back COVID free or if our schools are going back in the middle of a pandemic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> single aspect of our lives is affected by public policy. And I think it kind of depends on what, what house you grow up in. But for me, I was like never allowed to forget that, honestly. <laughs> like, um, and that really, that fostered my interest in civic education. And then I came to Hume Fog and there was Miss Smithfield. And Miss Smithfield, for, for you guys who don't know, is the Hume Fog librarian. And she is like the civic education queen. Like she... Mm-hmm. She knows every single person in Nashville. She is like so connected. I mean, her social network is enormous. And Miss Smithfield like presses civic education from the moment you walk into Hume Fog. Yeah. She got me. I mean, she took me. It was one of her emails. She was like, if anybody wants to intern on a campaign, and I was like, I want to intern on a campaign. And here I am three and a half years later. And it's just like changed who I am immensely. Yeah, and I know you mentioned a little bit about your household and your parents. So can you kind of walk us through um, when you were first exposed to this and kind of like what they do and how they kind of fostered that in you? Of course, yeah. So both my parents are lawyers. 
Um, and a lot of people are like, okay, well, that's obviously why you were civically engaged, but it's really common misconception that the law and public policy are the same thing. They're not. The law is an interpretation of public policy, but that's it. Like lawyers and judges especially are supposed to be completely impartial. So I would say that it, it didn't change like how I grew up that much. But that said, like when Barack Obama was elected both times, I stayed up and watched the election results with my parents. And there's always that sense of like politics equals community and community equals politics. Like you can't, you can't take them away from each other. I mean, you can't have a community without a strong political foundation mm -hmm. and way around like politics is based on what the community wants and what they need. And so I think that was like an idea I had in my head for a really long time. Um, and I really appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm assuming kind of based on that, that you did, but what were like the little ways, um, for instance, like watching the news, like with your parents, like what were like the little ways that you felt like these um, passions are kind of instilled into you? Or like, did you go with them to certain things or um, yeah, kind of along that vein? Okay, well, I, I think my, my biggest memory is that when Obama won um, in 2008 and then again in 2012, and my mom like made us blue pancakes for breakfast. And so that was, a, she probably didn't think that much of it, but I remember it. And I mean, in 2008, I was six, you know? And so it's like the sense of like something good has happened in the world and that's something that we should celebrate. I would say that, that I mean, I had like that instilled in me and all these memories, but that's the biggest one I would say. Yeah, and I feel like, growing up for me I had a similar experience where it was these big moments that were celebrated but I also think that I grew up with kind of like this idealized view of what our political system like should be and like could yeah. be but not necessarily the reality of it so when do you feel know, like yeah. the bubble was kind of burst for you and you were kind of Ooh. opened up okay <laughs> well um okay so Obama was president from when I was six to 2012 when I was 10 no yes i was 10 okay um and then man man okay so 2016 that was that was a terrible election for me i okay so i went to bed and trump was ahead in the electoral college but i was like it's gonna be okay hillary is going to pull through um for all the listeners again i am the president of the high school democrats if you thought this was going to be unbiased probably wrong <laughs> <laughs> and then I woke up and there were no blue pancakes and Donald Trump was our president and my sister was crying and my mom was like you don't have to go to school if you don't want to like that that was an emotional day for me but I also think it was a wake-up call you know I had grown up with Obama as my president and I really didn't like know anything other than the Obama family in the White House I mean Michelle is such an inspiration to me now but yeah oh she's amazing yeah. amazing i mean she is such an icon on so many levels like she's just she oh my gosh reading becoming made me cry multiple parts have you read it virginia i've read excerpts from it i've not read the full book that is definitely one that i need to get on that she oh just gosh. there's and i i've read her biography she was the one that i picked for like my third grade book report yeah. um 
and it's just she's she's an amazing character and so inspirational i know i mean she i think she's like the epitome of following your passion you know mm -hmm. she started off in a law office realized that she was extremely unhappy decided to move into making public policy in a mayor's office like not only is that just such a huge life change like that is a huge economic change from working yeah. in policy like to working in the law like it was that's a big deal and then she changed careers again and started working um in foundations and that is how she became the woman who she is and i mean just like having the guts to make the swivel and just like change your life not once but twice is just like a really big deal um yeah no i think she's incredible and i think that um as as young women to see a strong woman in the White House. I mean, obviously not as president, but we're getting there. We're getting there. But um, not as president, but as a strong leader, I think was huge to the way that I viewed myself um, and, huge, and huge to the way that I viewed women's involvement in politics. Because at, at a young age, I mean, I didn't know like in depth, like, oh, all of these other people, like I kind of, you know, you kind of focus on these are like the, this is the president and this is like his wife and this is like the vice president. So she was one of the um, key female figures that I saw in leadership. For sure. And I mean, kids cannot be expected to like know every member of the House and the Senate and all the cabinets. But it's kind of sad that most adults don't know that either. Like, for real, I'm sure if you asked any adult to name like more than two of the cabinet members or even more than one of them or any of them at all they would they would be a little bit a little bit stumped that's for sure yeah and kind of along that um what have your experiences been with adults kind of as you've been involved with politics okay well i will say there there are two different kinds of adults there are the children are the future adults and then there are the you haven't ever voted, so you can know nothing about politics. And honestly, I think both of them are wrong, right? So the children on the future side is like, just because you are young means you can make a change. And unfortunately, that's not necessarily true. Like you still, you still do have to work for it. And a lot of what I see is like Gen Z not not working up to their fullest potential like we are capable of so much as a generation and we have already been through so much i mean just in four years like my class went through a lot including like starting off our senior year online i mean it's crazy like really if gen z channeled all of their passions into actual work it would be amazing but unfortunately a lot of us are very like cynical and very like not trusting of the process or of the political process at all. And it makes them very apathetic. And then on the other hand, you have adults who say that like, just because you're young, you don't know anything. And that is completely untrue. I mean, young people are, when I say like capable of changing the world for sure. And I have seen it in my school, I've seen it outside of my school. I mean, like the people who I met through my fellowship are amazing and have already done so much and they're already like 18 and 19. I mean, for real. Um, but I will say those, uh, the, those are the two different kinds of adults you see and both of them make me a little 
a little bit mad, but okay. <laughs> yeah, because I think it is it is hard to find like that middle ground. Because I think that I mean, especially the adults who are like, "Oh, kids are the future." It's coming from a place that is, I think, good at heart, but maybe not executed correctly. And I mean that, and kind of going along like the not the greatest execution route of things. I think that. <laughs> with Gen Z, there are so many opinions and we see them, we see them voiced on social media quite frequently, but a lot of times kind of like what you're saying, there's not that initiative that's really taken. And so how, how did you go about, I mean, obviously starting with um, the email and with Smithfield, but how did you go about finding opportunities for engagement? And what would you say to people who are maybe like, well, I don't know enough about politics to get involved? Well, I would say that's almost never true. So politics is, in theory, based completely on community, which means that everybody has something unique to bring to it. And politics and civics aren't necessarily the same thing. So like civics is the study of democracy and our government and how it's supposed to operate. Politics are the current issues and what's happening right now. Um, I would say civics is something that can definitely be learned from reading a textbook. Politics is something you have to learn by paying attention, not only to the news and to your politicians, but just like what's happening around you. What are your parents concerned about? What are your friends concerned about? What is your school doing? Like what is happening in the world and how can you make a difference? Um, yeah, so but I think just a lot of people don't want to get involved because they feel like they aren't good enough. And that is, that is how you just like become um, apathetic to the entire political system is by thinking that you're not good enough and you can't make a change. Whereas really everyone can make a change. I mean, I think we as Gen Z have a really like strange idea of what change is. We're like, yeah, change isn't change unless we're stopping like global climate change or forest fires or like the second Holocaust or, you know, like whatever. Yeah. But honestly, sometimes change can just be volunteering with a campaign, making 50 phone calls and then signing off. And that honestly makes a difference. Like talking to voters, knocking on doors, I guess not right now, but <laughs> pandemic-free world, you go knock on doors or voting. Voting is incredibly important. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people probably can't vote yet. A lot of people who are listening can't vote yet. But having a conversation with your parents about what elections they vote in and what elections they stay home for, like all of these are small, small changes. But together, they make a huge impact. Like, imagine if every single one of your listeners stopped, like, stopped what they were doing, talked to their parents about voting. Like, can you imagine how many more votes we could get if something like that happened? Yeah, and I know, um, for me, I did a little bit of work with the Heidi Campbell campaign, and I'm going to call my mom out right now. I don't think that she was educated as she could have been until I sent her information. I was like, hey, you're going to read this. Like, we're going to have a discussion about this. Um, because I think that a lot of times we underestimate the power of um, our at-home communities and like these smaller communities and we think oh yeah like the election like the presidential election and like all of this when a lot of times the things that make the biggest changes in our own lives are right here at home and they're right here 
in our small circles. And I think that that is so huge. Very true. That's definitely something that Ms. Smithfield stresses a lot is the importance of local issues. That was actually something that my, um, my fellowship stressed a lot too. We focused not so much on the national or the global community. Believe it or not, there's a community outside of the United States. <laughs> it's crazy, right? But we focused a lot on our local communities. Um, and so I'm also working on the Heidi Campbell campaign right now because I honestly think that like flipping the state Senate and flipping the state house are also incredibly important. And if you Absolutely. can't, you at least need these progressive voices there to fight for your rights. Like state laws are incredibly important. I'm sure that everybody heard about the like Tennessee abortion ban that was just ruled um, on by the Supreme Court. I mean, come on, like local issues, are making national politics because they have such a huge impact on our lives. Like local issues determine whether or not teachers have to get a new license every time they move, which affects like military families with teachers in them. and affects our teachers that they ever wanna switch like um, districts or switch schools or whatever it is. I mean, they have a huge impact. It's incredibly important. And honestly, people don't pay enough attention. We get really hyper-focused on what's happening nationally, and we forget that you can sometimes have a bigger impact on a local scale. Oh, absolutely, because your, your voice can be so much more heard, and I think that that is something that I've noticed, especially um, as a young person, especially not being of voting age yet, my voice is mostly heard at home when I am reaching out to representatives, when I'm writing emails or writing letters or making phone calls, because I think that it does have a big impact. And I think that you can use that to your advantage of being, um, you know, like a youth and saying that these issues matter to me. I think that a lot of times that can catch people's attention more. And so, um, yeah. And kind of going back to what you were saying about having these discussions with your parents, how do you recommend kind of starting these discussions when maybe it's not the most comfortable topic or maybe they don't have the same opinions? Okay. Well, I actually have a lot of experience on this. So my parents are Democrats, um, but they are not as progressive as I am. So for example, I, when we were having the Democratic debate, uh, my entire family like watches them together, except, with the exception of my little sister who doesn't care yet, and <laughs> she's 10, you know, it's okay. Um, but me, my brother, my mom and dad, we all watch them together, and sometimes, my parents make comments about the more liberal candidate stances. And honestly, I think it's because they don't really understand it. And I do because I do a lot of research on all of the candidates. Um, even though I wasn't able to vote in the Democratic primary, like that doesn't matter. Um, you can still do research. even. Yeah. So sometimes these conversations are born out of someone saying like the wrong thing. You know, if someone says something that offends you and you're like, well, why do you think that? And honestly, that's got to be the framework for most of these conversations. Just be that annoying kid who keeps asking why, 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 until you really find out why they think the things that they do. And sometimes it can stem from like an earlier childhood experience, something that their parents told them, something that happened in their career. Like, 
Ms. Hallbrook was talking to us today um, in AP Gov about how people generally vote pretty selfishly. They vote on issues that are important to them and they vote in a way that will positively affect them. Yeah. A lot of times, the way that positively affects you is not what's good for the majority of people. And so I've had to have conversations with my parents about that too. Like, just because it's good for you and our family doesn't mean it's actually going to affect our community in a really great way for a long time. Um, and so those are the easier conversations to have. I would say the harder conversations are ones about like social issues. So for example, like non-binary genders or something, and you're trying to talk to your parents about what that means and like how yeah. they accommodate someone who is gender non-binary mm -hmm. can be pretty sensitive um and pretty personal like we go to school with I'm, I mean we are exposed to a lot of people who don't fit into like the traditional in quotation marks of like what gender is um and so we're Absolutely. on a basis but our parents might not necessarily be I mean their generation is very different from ours so when you're having conversations about that, you've got to approach it like they have no idea what you're talking about because they probably don't. And I would say a good rule of thumb is to assume good intentions, assume ignorance instead of like ignoring someone's like true gender. You know? Yeah. Sense? Yeah, because I don't, I don't think that in most cases, I don't think that there is malicious intent. Like I think you hear about um, a lot of times the extremes on both sides, you know, you hear about the people that are just, yeah, extreme, but, um, I know in conversations that I've had as well with certain people and, um, certain relatives of mine that are older, they just don't have any idea about what's going on, um, today in a lot of ways with stuff like the social issues that you were talking about stuff even like black lives matter um and all of that like they're they have a basic understanding but they don't really understand the nuances of it all and i think that um kind of going back to what you were saying about the research i think that sometimes you have to assume that you are the one that is going to have to do some research too like you yeah. can't just assume that um because they're adults because they're parents that they're infallible and that they know everything about all of this because oftentimes they don't. I mean, not that it's really an excuse because I think that you should always make time to know and become knowledgeable about these things, but they're very busy too. And as much as I would like to emphasize, you know, educate yourself, be aware of what you're voting for. Some people just aren't willing to do that, you know? And so I think right. having those conversations can sometimes be the main ways that people are educated, you know? Yeah. And, you know, changing the world takes work. Like, it's one thing to, to repost something on your Instagram, which is important. Like, knowing where people stand politically is important, but that can also be exhausting. But I would say doing your research and voting smart and encouraging people around you to vote smart if you can't is, is probably the most important thing that someone can do. Like, you do not want to be uneducated. You want to know exactly who you're voting for, what their stances are and their their past record is also incredibly important because people can say they're for XYZ all day long, but if you if they have a history of voting against that issue, like why would you ever vote for them? You know? Yeah. And I would say 
one thing that um, I think a lot of people struggle with is how do you go about finding um, unbiased information about really doing your research well? Okay, so unbiased information is super important. If it's about a candidate, then you should always go directly to the candidate's website. If they are a good, well, like well-informed, coordinated campaign, they're going to have um, a stances or like an issues page. And honestly, you should read all of it, like not just the stuff that's important to you, but all of it, because what's important to you might not be that important to someone else. And issues that you don't necessarily care about might have a huge impact in someone else's life. So I would say that's if it's a candidate, go to their issues page. If it's not a candidate, if it's about like a social issue, let's, let's say it's about like climate change or something. I mean, before you ever trust a news organization, you should always do some research on who they are and who their sponsors are. And a really way, easy way to do that is just to Google them and then like bias check. There are a few different websites that do this, but they rank all news organizations like based on if they're left or right and then Nope, that's it. Just if they're left or right, and they kind of rank them on the spectrum. Those can be pretty helpful. I would also say, like, make sure you're consuming more than one form of media. Like, I am guilty of this sometimes. Unfortunately, it's very bad, but if you just listen to, like, one podcast by the same company, or if you just read articles from, like, the Washington Post, or if you just read articles from Fox News, really you're only getting one source of information. Like, think about it, if you were researching for a bio presentation, you wouldn't use one source for the entire thing. Like, what if something is wrong? What if you're missing a whole side of your presentation that you really should know about and present on? Like, I, I mean, that, that is really the best thing you can do for yourself, is yeah. listen and read and watch multiple forms of media that way you can get the full story yeah and i really i love love that analogy that you made about like the biology project or paper i think that that is so true um and i mean it's also like when you're like writing any sort of paper like you look at the opposing argument you look at the opposing side so that you can exactly. understand um that as well and i think that that is so huge and i just i love what you said i could get that printed on like a shirt um <laughs> <laughs> that is so wonderful and so also, kind of like leading into your future, um, kind of getting towards the end, do you think that you want to pursue a route um, in this field? And if so, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, okay, so I wanna preface this by saying that like my plans are probably gonna change 500 times in between now and next month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's totally fine. <laughs> But, okay, so I got to attend Governor's School for International Studies this summer. It's a four-week program about international relations, and I realized, like, that is what I want to do. So, I actually, in the past four years, have gone through a lot of, like, introspection. And at first, I was like, I want to be a doctor, or I want to be a teacher. And then I was like, Juliana, hold up. Look at all of your extracurricular activities. Like, <laughs> you like to do outside of school okay you like to do model un you like to do youth and government i've entered on three campaigns i made over two thousand political phone calls like why on earth would i become a doctor yeah i don't know um 
yes, I want to study international relations, mostly international relations as opposed to like public policy, because I feel like so far I've had a really narrow view of the world. Yeah. I focused, if not just on like Tennessee and Nashville, then on the United States and really Mm -hmm. The United States is not the entire world, and there's it so feels like it sometimes. Lines. It does to us. I mean, especially looking at like colleges. Like I'm trying to be like, oh, wow, I could actually go to somewhere in this continent. I know, like, yeah, but it's, yeah, isn't it kind of crazy? Like how we're limiting ourselves by talking about this. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, and like studying abroad would just be so cool, especially if you can do it for four years. But. Mm-hmm the point anyway so I definitely want to study international relations um and I say definitely I say like <clears throat> definitely for now but it's okay yeah. um and in terms of career paths it could look like a few things so the first one would be working for the UN which would be like absolutely dream. yeah dream of mine um and so that probably like when people think of the UN they think of UN ambassadors but really most of the work is done by the UN Secretariat who like run everything, um, including like peacekeeping missions and like goodwill trips around the world. I mean, the UN Secretariat is an incredibly powerful body. So that's, that's one. The second would be an FSO, a foreign service officer. And so these people work with the State Department um, and sometimes they can be deployed around the world Sometimes they just stay at home and do State department things. Um, and yeah, that would be a second career path. A third one would be kind of like what Miss Smithfield does, just on overdrive and without the library part, is just civic <laughs> education. You know, there are so many different programs that are geared entirely towards civic education, like the one I interned on over the summer. And I'm not interned on my fellowship over the summer that's entirely based on civic education. And so you could also work for one of those platforms. And the fourth and probably the biggest one is like public policy and politics. And that's pretty self-explanatory, but yeah. Yeah, and that is that is so cool. And I think that you, no matter what path you choose, will make huge waves, will make landslides. Um, and I'm so excited <laughs> to see what you do and kind of just the last thing to wrap it up, what would you recommend is the best first step for someone who's interested, but maybe hasn't done this before? Like, how did they get involved? Hmm. Okay, well, if they go to Hume Fog, I would say, like, reach out to me because I somehow, I don't know how, but people just tell me about opportunities and stuff. So <laughs> yeah. things going on both like in school and outside of school. And if they want to be connected to it, I can definitely help them. That is not to sound like like almighty or something. I definitely do not know everything, but if they're looking for a go-to person, I'll be that person for them. But if you can't do that, and if I guess if you don't go to Hume Fog, then I would say find a local campaign that you can work on because we are having state Senate elections and state House elections right now. And really the more localized the campaign, the more involved you can be on it. So let's say someone was trying to intern for like Joe Biden's campaign. I mean, you probably wouldn't get paid at all, first of all. And like yeah. they would the volunteer and you would get volunteer hours, but that is like the extent of your work on the campaign. Mm-hmm. Work on a like state senate campaign or a city council campaign, because those are also very important. 
you can um, you can potentially get paid. You could get way more hours in, and you could have a really close relationship with the campaign manager, which is really cool for many reasons, but among them, like job recommendations in the future. Yeah. Yeah, and Juliana, this episode was amazing, and I am so so grateful for all of your wonderful insight and intelligence on this. So thank you so much. Yeah, for thanks for having me. It was so much fun. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Um, thank you so much, everybody, and have a great day.